we know that God can bring good out of evil and use a bad situation to produce something wonderful. What could God do for the church and a Biden presidency? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. It is January 18th. It is Martin Luther King Day. It is three days before the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. It's a time when a whole lot continues to shake in America and around the world. And I'm thrilled to start the week off together with you. This is Michael Brown seeking to serve as your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity in the midst of a society in chaos and a church all too often in compromise Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. I'm not taking random Bible theology questions, but anything that has to do with the current situation in America, be it political, spiritual, we'll be talking about those things today. Before we get into this, before we talk about incoming President Joe Biden, and as much as I have grave concerns about the agenda on the left and, and things that President-elect Biden has said that he wants to do and the background of, of Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, as much as I have grave concerns about those things and believe that the, the attempt to censor conservatives, especially believing conservatives in days ahead, that these are very real threats. At the same time, our God is a redeemer. And what the world or Satan or circumstances mean for evil, God can turn for good. So we're going to talk about that today, how God could use a Biden presidency for the good of the church. Now, I didn't vote for Joe Biden. I voted for Donald Trump. But I'm going to explain that and hopefully give you some encouragement and hope in the midst of things. And and others have very different views politically. I understand. I I welcome all of you to to listen, to watch, to call 866-34-TRUTH. At the same time, we must address the increasingly wild conspiracy theories that are out there, they're getting millions and millions of views and, and that, that Christians, professing Christians are embracing. It, it's, it's actually embarrassing to see so many people believing such ridiculous lies and being so passionate about it and then somehow combining it with their faith. It's, it's kind of a toxic mix when you, when you try to mix lies together with truth and then add in uh, prophecies that aren't coming to pass and things, it's, it's, it's going to be a path of spiritual destruction for many. We want to do our best to be here ready to help those that are struggling. But first, because it is Martin Luther King Day, I, I want to play a clip for you that to me is the most powerful single clip in any of the speeches of Dr. King that I've heard. We understand he was a, a flawed man. We understand that there are various things that have come to light all the more about his sexual immorality. We understand that. I, I trust that, that he died forgiven and in right relationship with God. That does not detract from the courage he had. That does not detract from his public witness. That does not detract from the important role that he played in American history. And a little over 20 years ago, 
when God started stirring my heart about the revolution theme, the revolutionary message of the gospel, and how to operate it in a world-changing way, completely different than worldly revolutions, which were violent and destructive. So I, I studied a, a lot of different movements, from radical Islam to, to communism, uh, and, and I, I studied negative things. I studied the counterculture revolution in the 60s, but then I also dug deeper in civil rights and, and, and looked at, say, the example of Dr. King versus, say, the, the, the Black Panthers, Huey Newton, and, and some of the differences there, and Malcolm X at the beginning, and, and, and was stirred by a lot the example of, of many courageous African-American leaders that, that took a nonviolent approach and that were people of courage. So that, that ministered a lot to me. And for whatever reason, as a, as a Jewish follower of Jesus, I've, I've always related and just kind of felt a kinship with my black Christian friends. Maybe a history, Jewish history being more ancient in terms of, of uh, being a nation that was enslaved and, and American uh, black history being more recent. But suffering through the ages, uh, suffering in one case because of race, in another case because of religion, Somehow I just felt a solidarity. So I, I was personally really stirred reading this. And as, as I was working on the Revolution book, I was working on one chapter about freedom. And I was digging in just all these Martin Luther King quotes I was getting available online and downloading them and putting them into, into this chapter. It was a little over 20 years ago. And at the end of the day, I was getting ready to preach. I was in Houston getting ready to preach that night. And I looked at the calendar, and I was, oh, because I had no holidays on my, my online calendar. So it's Martin Luther King Day. I'd spent much of the day reading his quotes. So this clip, to me, is an articulation of the words of Jesus, that if you save your life, you lose it. If you lose your life for my sake in the gospel, Jesus said you find it. It was, it was uh, Selma, Alabama, March 8th, 1965. And the context is that because the nonviolent protesters were meeting with violent resistance. They were getting physically attacked. The, uh, police dogs were being set loose on them. They were being sprayed with fire hoses. People were losing jobs. That some of the leaders said, maybe we just need to step back a little because we're being nonviolent, but we're being violently attacked. And, and this is Dr. King speaking to it. The church building packed out Selma, Alabama, again, March 1965, and it's a, about a three-minute clip. I want to play the entire clip for you. May, may it stir your heart as well. Deep down in our nonviolent creed is the conviction that there are some things so dear, some things so precious, some things so eternally true that they're worth dying for. And if a man happens to be 36 years old as I happen to be, and some great truth stands before the door of his life, some great opportunity to stand up for that which is right. He's afraid his home will get bombed. He's afraid that he will lose his job. He's afraid that he will get shot or beat down by state troopers. He may go on and live until he's 80. But he's just as dead as 36 as he would be at 80. And the cessation of breathing in his life is merely the belated announcement of an earlier death of the spirit. He died. when he refuses to stand up for that which is right. Yes. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice. Yes. A man dies when he refuses to take a stand for that which is true. Yes. So we're going to stand up right here amid horses. 
We're going to stand up right here in Alabama amid the billy clubs. We're going to stand up right here in Alabama amid police dogs if they have them. We're going to stand up amid tear gas. Yeah. We're going to stand up amid anything that they can muster up, yeah. letting the world know yeah. that we are determined to be free. Boy, that's just stirring, friends. That is so incredibly stirring. And and what a message. And, and for those uh, that that don't understand the depth of the civil rights movement, don't understand the, the depth of, of African-American suffering in our country, when you hear those words, when you hear the determination, when you hear the commitment, no matter what, we're, we're, we're determined to be free. Uh, it, it's eye-opening, friends. For me, as a, as a white American, grew up in suburbs of Long Island, but in a started in New York City, a racially diverse atmosphere, and that was the, the atmosphere in, in my household. And then just, you know, never exposed to certain things, certain parts of the country, mindsets, and obviously never been racially profiled myself. You know, the, the more you understand a history that you weren't part of, the more you learn, the more you, you, you grieve, and the more you desire to see God's best for everyone. So when, when Dr. King said a man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right, friends, that, that's been with me for, for over 20 years since, since I, I heard that quote. A friend of mine saw the message being played on, on TV in the midst of a series and said, you've got to check this out. And God it was disturbed by it, like I said, over 20 years ago. And that's, that's remained with me over and again that you, you don't compromise. You, you don't capitulate. I don't, I don't mean in the midst of a stubborn argument with a spouse. Of course, we humble ourselves or with a colleague where you're trying to have understanding. No, I'm talking about when you're standing for what's right, you don't capitulate. You don't cave. You don't bow down because when you do, you die. When you do, you lose part of yourself. When you die, you become a slave. You become a slave to the, to the opinions of people. You become a slave to the being popular. You, you become a slave to what's expedient as opposed to what's right. And with that, you lose a part of your soul. Man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right, refuses to stand, stand up for that which is true, for justice. So you realize that when you come to that point, you say, I'm going to do what's right regardless of cost or consequence. I'm, I'm going to do what's right regardless of popular opinion. I'm going to do what's right regardless of life and limb. When you do that, you, you get free. You're, you're not free because you're, you're not living under a spirit of fear. I'm not talking about being obnoxious, self-righteous, always always the one in the know. No, and you, you always get low. You, you always humble yourself before the Lord. You always say, Lord, show me blind spots and show me what I'm missing and, and help me to grow and be more like your son. And I don't want to be contentious and, and, and the one that's, that's the know-it-all or, you know, the corrector-in-chief. As I've often said, that's not my goal to be the corrector-in-chief of the body or the world or, or whatever. And what, what hubris to think, any of us to think that that's us. But when you know what you know, when you know what's right, you, you have to stand. You have to stand. You, you don't cave. And if, if you lose everything, you lose everything because you, you found everything. You're free. And, and if you do cave, you've lost everything. Okay, so fine. You, you have your, your popular opinion still. You have your followers. You have your job or you have your pension or you have your security or you have your physical life. But you've lost your soul in the process. That's what Jesus says. 
right? In order to follow him, we must deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow him. Whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for his sake and the gospel will find it. That moment you're free. I have friends, I mean, not quite with a gun put to their head, but with heavy death threats and just said, I came to die. (laughs) And what could they do to them? I mean, for the gospel, I came to die. That moment, they're free. They're absolutely free. So let the truth, let righteousness so reign in your heart, let the call for freedom so reign in your heart to honor God, that no matter what comes your way, you're going to honor him and praise him and live for him. You're free. You have lost everything, and now you have found everything. And nobody can take it from you. Okay, we come back. I want to share why I say that God could use a Biden presidency to help the church. And then I want to show you some of the responses I got for daring to say that. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH-866-3487-884. If you are listening, watching, and you're unable to call in, maybe you're listening to a podcast a few days later, maybe you're catching this on another TV network after the show is aired, and you want to weigh in, you, you want to... Share your thoughts. Give me a piece of your mind. Here's the number to call. This is not to leave questions. We won't be responding to questions here. But if you want to give me a piece of your mind, agree, disagree, have a testimony to share, you want to yell at me, that's fine. Just keep it to two minutes, three minutes max. Here's the number to call. So this will not get you on the air, but we may play one of your clips on the air. 1-800-618-8480. 1-800-618-8480. Before I go to any calls today or play some... Wild, as in wild clips for you, a little while. I want to take you to an article. I I wrote this when I was away in a prayer retreat the beginning of December. And because I was away for the entire week and we pre-recorded radio and everything else, and obviously I had no daily responsibility. If I wrote, I wrote. If I didn't, I didn't. Uh, I I could be up all night and sleep half the day. I could be up early in the morning. I could whatever, but my schedule was pretty much very, very late at night, sleeping in in the morning. Uh, If I got up a little earlier, going to sleep for a nap in the afternoon. But the last thing I was doing was getting up at like 6 in the morning after going to sleep at like 4 in the morning. But one morning I got up with a jolt. I was just stirred, and I wrote this article. Then I went back to sleep, and I said, okay, I'm not releasing it. So early December I was 100% sure, there was no question in my mind whatsoever, that, that Joe Biden would be the next president. And for many reasons, both inside knowing in my own heart and outside evidence. But I thought it's, it's premature to release this, not yet. But a few days ago, I felt it was, it was time to release this. So we posted this article, and the title of the article is Why a Biden Presidency Could Be Good for the Church. And because I'm a syndicated columnist, meaning that my articles appear in many different websites – Uh, unless it's an exclusive, like I'll write one exclusive article a week for the stream. Otherwise, they're on many different sites. So Town Hall, I've been writing for them longer than anybody, conservative political website. And I was curious to see how would people respond to this article. 
because it is a conservative political website. It does publish some spiritual reflections as well, but it's primarily conservative politics. I normally don't read comments to, to my articles, and again, they're on many different sites and then linked on our, our social media. But I was curious to see the response to this one, thinking it might, it might be a little hostile. All right, so anyway, I want to go through some key points in the article. I start off by saying, like many of you reading this article, I voted for Donald Trump, which means I voted against Joe Biden. I've also written articles calling out the radical nature of the Democratic platform, drawing attention to Biden's extreme transgender rights position, and pointing to his continued shift to the left on abortion. And I've warned of the potential dangers of a Kamala Harris presidency. So I, I understand all the issues which is a reason I voted for Trump, despite misgivings about other aspects of who he is, voted for him. Okay, so I I understand all the issues. You don't have to warn me about them. You don't have to talk to me about where the left could be going or the Democratic agenda could be going. I'm I'm quite aware. I've written about it, documented as well, quite aware. So I said, like many of you, I'm deeply concerned about the direction America could be heading under Biden-Harris administration, including potentially destructive dealings with China and Iran. At the same time, I believe the election of Joe Biden might be in the best interest of the Church of America. How can I say such a thing? Simply stated, it's because many of us Christian conservatives put too much trust in a man. If you didn't, fine. I said many of us, not all of us. We were looking to a man to preserve our religious freedoms, looking to a man to overturn Roe v. Wade through the courts, looking to a man to fight our battles to be our champion, looking to a man to push back against the evil agendas of the radical left, looking to a man to bring peace to the Middle East. Such an attitude is never healthy especially when that man is Donald Trump, a man who could be as abrasive and destructive as he could be winsome and uniting. And when it seemed that Trump might be losing the election, we turned to God in fervent prayer and fasting, but it was not so much for revival in the church and mercy on America as much as it was for Trump's victory, as if only a Trump victory stood between America's freedom and America's collapse. As I recall, Jesus taught us to pray that the Lord's name would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come and his will be done, rather than to pray for the election of a particular individual or the success of a particular party. To be sure, many were praying for justice, praying to, quote, stop the steal. Yet our prayers for the election of Donald Trump were far more passionate than our prayers for other critical issues, such as stopping the pandemic, or our prayers to see our neighbors come to Jesus, or our prayers for the safety of our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. How could this be right? As things stand, I truly believe that four more years of Donald Trump would have led to greater spiritual complacency and even triumphalism, not to mention the vulgarizing of our own souls. Four more years of Trump, for which I, too, voted, would have led to even greater trust in a man, only deepening our dangerous trend. Four more years of Trump would have destroyed our witness even more severely as evangelical Christians, in particular white evangelical Christians, would have been better known uh, for association with Trump than association with Jesus. As it is, much damage has been done, and we have much ground to recover. Four more years of Trump would have kept our focus on the government as if the White House or Congress or the Supreme Court could slow the national hemorrhaging or stop our downward moral and spiritual slide. But, you say, a Biden-Harris presidency means more baby slaughtered. That alone tells me you're wrong. Surely God doesn't want more innocent blood being shed. I respond, certainly I share your pro-life passion. I fully understand the implications of a Biden-Harris administration when it comes to the unborn. Absolutely, 100%. But let's face the facts. Babies were slaughtered at a horrific rate through the Republican presidencies of Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, and Donald Trump. That's a total of 24 years and more than 22 million babies, which is far more babies than were aborted during the 16 years of the Democratic presidencies of Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. At the same time, progress is being made every year in reducing the number of abortions through other legislative and grassroots efforts, all while we continue to press for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. 
But, you say, a Democratic victory now could mean the packing of the courts and the end of free and fair elections as we know it. We'll never recover from this. You could be right, I respond, in which case the situation is dire. On the other hand, now is the time to stand up boldly and exercise our faith. Why must we be so fatalistic? The possibilities are indeed grave, but they're certainly not written in stone. Personally, I do not believe most Americans will support the increasingly radical leftist agenda. In fact, it could be that the best thing that could happen to our country is for the radical left to show its real hand and for its fangs, so to say, to be exposed. The more that BLM and Antifa terrorize our streets, the less popular they'll be. The more people see where a Green New Deal will lead, especially in their paychecks and freedoms, the less they'll like it. The more the Democrats seek to remake America, the more Americans will not want Democrats in power. The more people realize that big tech is trying to rule their lives and the mainstream media is lying to them, rule their lives, and the mainstream media is lying to them, the more they'll resent this hostile takeover. As for the church, the more we realize that we cannot look at the White House, to the White House or Congress to do our bidding, the more we'll get back to gospel basics, and it is those basics alone that can save the nation. To quote the words of the Psalms, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes, Psalm 118.9. And do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save, Psalm 146.3. Today we could substitute the word presidents for princes. Of course, these verses do not mean that we become passive and complacent when it comes to the political system. They do not mean that we have a kumbaya mentality when it comes to laws and policies. But they do mean that we must not put our full trust in earthly leaders or earthly powers. And they do mean that our trust in God will be rewarded. The truth is that quite often in life, the worst things turn out to be the best things. And as the saying goes, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. A Biden-Harris presidency will not come close to killing us. Didn't Jesus say that the gates of Hades would not prevail over the church, meaning the powers of death itself? Instead, an adversarial presence in the White House could be the best thing that happened to the Church of American years. Maybe this is what it will take to wake us up, and awakened church remains the hope of the nation. Is that force alone the force of the gospel lived out that can change hearts? Then people with changed hearts can reshape the government and the courts. Then we'll have change that can last. All right, so that's the article. That's what I laid out. That's what I deeply believe. So I went to check the, the comments. Again, I normally don't do this in, in articles written or, or videos posted for many reasons. But I decided to do it specifically on this website because it's one of the most conservative political websites of all those where my articles are posted. So let's see. Gigi said, Mr. Brown, I'm usually in agreement with you, but in this case, no way. In four years under Biden, we'll be lucky if we're still allowed to have a Bible in our homes. And, and then she says, as Trump is what was standing between freedom and communism in America. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that Gigi normally agrees with what I write, and I welcome disagreement. Absolutely. Glad people take the time to read and think and comment. But the idea that, that in four years we'll be lucky if we're still allowed to have a Bible in our home, no, that, that's, that's not reality. That is an extreme, exaggerated picture of where things are at and where things are going. So we need to be sober-minded. We, we don't want to exaggerate the issues that we face. And yes, I understand. I've, I've been on the front lines of fighting the issues of censorship and people trying to stifle our voices for, for many years now. Back in 2004, I began to say those who came out of the closet want to put us in the closet. I was ridiculed widely for saying it. Then a few years after that, it changed to bigots like you belong in the closet. So I'm, I'm more than aware 
And, and we've documented people who've lost jobs, lost income, lost positions, kicked out of schools because of their conservative biblical views. And, and even challenged Amazon, are you going to ban the Bible because you're banning books saying that, that gays can change? Or California, you're going to ban the Bible because you're banning counseling for, for trying to ban it for everyone of all ages for someone with unwanted same-sex attraction. What if a pastor says, hey, read the Bible, this will help you. Is that going to be banned? I'm raising these points to draw attention, but the reality is that there's always a drawing back from that. In other words, we're exposing the craziness of it, but there's tremendous pushback against that. And the idea that we won't have Bibles is, is such an exaggerated position that it, it puts us almost in a hysterical mindset. And Donald Trump was not the only thing stopping America from communism. So Trump did a lot of good and a lot of bad, and and it will be for legacy over a period of years to, to weigh out, especially for the church, what was for the best and what was for the worst. But no, it's not Donald Trump. He's the only one holding us back from communism in America or stopping us from becoming like China. That's part of the idolatry of Trump that I've been warning about, looking to him in unhealthy ways. Does it make any sense? We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I want to get to your phone calls in a little while. 866-34-TRUTH. Michael Brown, welcome to the Line of Fire. But I first just want to look at, analyze some responses to my article that as much as I did not vote for Joe Biden, as much as I have concerns about the Democratic platform, as much as I have concerns about where this will go in terms of freedom of religion, as much as I have concerns about where this will go with radical LGBT activism, as much as I have concerns with implications for Israel, as much as I have concerns about wrong deals being made with China and Iran, as much as I have concerns about a flood of illegal immigrants coming into America, as much as I have concerns about the potential restructuring of our whole voting system or packing of the Supreme Court, all of which are things which could happen with the agenda of the radical left, which is increasingly becoming the, 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 the agenda of the Democratic Party. At the same time, I understand that God is God. I understand that often in the worst times, the church grows the most, and the great hope for America is a healthy church. Because change is not going to come from the top down. And I have no question whatsoever that many American conservatives and Christians were looking to Trump as the man that could stop the onslaught of communism or socialism or save America or the free world. And that's the whole thing I talk about, looking to a man in an idolatrous way. So what's wild is when I'll, I'll talk about that, people respond and say, we don't look to Trump in idolatrous right, but he's the only one that could save America. And the Republican Party is completely corrupt, and we can't trust anybody except him. Well, that's looking to him in an idolatrous way. That's, that's a simple thing. Don't talk against God's anointed. That's looking to him in an idolatrous way. So I'm, I'll continue to deal with it. Hey, listen, I'm not doing this to get popular. I'm doing this to honor God and help people. So one gentleman named Mark posted this response on Town Hall. And he said, I enjoy your columns, Mr. Brown. Again, I appreciate someone taking the time to read and, and, and agree or differ. He said this. He said, I enjoy your columns, Mr. Brown, but this one is a train wreck. You need to go back to your prayer retreat, because I said I'd written this during the time, and hear from Jehovah God. Really? So now you've joined the Trump as a cult leader, and most of us followers, including Christians, are cultists. Now, actually, I, I didn't use those words, did I? I didn't use those words in the article. 
I did lay out the degree that we had looked to him wrongly, okay? Uh, and I said, hey, if the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. But I know many are guilty of this. And I know it for a fact because of the responses I get online by the second. Uh, and, and you hijack scripture to proof text? No, I'm not hijacking scripture. I'm rightly using it. I'm rightly using it to make application. Absolutely. Let me enlighten you. Most of us Trump supporters would vote for Pee Wee Herman if he supported the same policies and platform DJT does. And if he had the courage, backbone, and stamina to stand up and fight the deranged Democrats, globalists, Satanists, and, and MSM like he has. Uh, it's not about the man, although we admire and respect him for what he stands for and has accomplished, but about his agenda and his love for this country and U.S. Well, I voted for him for those reasons. I'm a Trump voter, a Trump supporter for those reasons. At the same time, those who say he's the only one that has those characteristics, the courage, the backbone, etc., Pee Wee Herman doesn't. And those that say it's got to be Trump are looking to him in, in a destructive way, are looking to him in a cult-like way. He's the only man that could do it. He's the political messiah. He's the political deliverer. When you, when you do that, it is unrealistic, and then you don't see the tremendous destruction that he brought and the tremendous harm that he brought. Then in the end, it could be he did more harm than good, especially for the church. I've said as a Trump supporter that he did more to help evangelical causes than any president in memory, and he did more to hurt the evangelical cause than any president in memory. The question is, long-term, which is better, which is worse. And then he says this, we recognize and accept his flaws and shortcomings as a man. I don't agree with every statement and position he's made. We do not put him on a pedestal or worship him. I would say many put him on a pedestal. Don't worship him, but put him on a pedestal. He has not usurped the place of Jesus in our lives. Well, of course, which I say repeatedly. I understand. Everybody, everybody says that. So, again, it's the misreading of what I am saying, which to me indicates I'm hitting a nerve. You know what I'm saying? When people over-respond to something I didn't say, uh, you're obviously hitting a nerve there. This is utter, complete nonsense. We support him and love him because we've elected nothing but cowards and traitors for decades. <laughs> there you go. He stands out alone. I mean, the very thing I'm saying in the article that, that this, this dear gentleman is, is rejecting and mocking, okay? So, so he says this, uh, we've elected nothing but cowards and traitors for decades, Dems and Republicans, and he finally gets us and fights for us. If you think I'm a corrupt, greedy, wicked, Satanist, narcissistic, pedophile, New World Order, grandpa, bad finger, Biden's POTUS, is somehow the will of God and beneficial for the church, you're a delusional idiot and give Christianity a bad name, sir. Well, he's respectful, calls me Mr. Brown and sir. But you see, that means you've been drinking in the poison of QAnon, okay? You've been drinking in outright deception, the poison of QAnon. You have rejected all other leaders except for Donald Trump, but say that you're not putting him on a pedestal. Think of that. And are saying that, that Joe Biden is president, and it's, it's not the will of God, so the will of God was not done. But then even more, saying that the God who worked under Nero as Christians were being burned as living torches to light up the night, the God who, who moved under Mount Setung and, and, and Christianity in China flourished and grew in ways it never had before, the God who's moving in the midst of persecution in Nigeria and persecution in Iran and persecution in India, some of which I'm an eyewitness to, that God can't move for the good of the church and the nation under Joe Biden. What, what kind of nonsense is that? And yet for saying that, I'm a delusional idiot who gives Christianity a bad name. 
I hope as people have time to reflect as the dust settles in the Biden presidency, I, I hope as people have time to reflect that they'll go back and realize how the words we're speaking are applicable. Okay, one last thing. Uh, there's more I can interact with, but uh, one last thing. Then we're going to go uh, to your calls. Okay, Nancy pointed out a post to me last night. She said, have you seen this video? I said, no. It was on my personal Facebook page, and there was a woman that was reacting in, in a series of comments where I was getting blasted for the same article. And and she was saying, hold on to your horses because everything's going to change. We don't need to pull that post up. But in other words, Trump's about to be inaugurated. Everything's about to change. You better be ready to apologize. And there was a link to a video. Well, I, I mean, we get tens of thousands of things like this all the time. We don't have... Time to, to look, examine it. But, but Nancy, you have to look at it. And, and the reason I'm going to play it for you is, is because this, this woman, I'll just use her first name, Michelle, uh, the video's been viewed over a half million times, well over a half million times in like three or four days. Now, now, who is she? Let's just, if you're watching, let's just put this up. Here's one video. So I clicked to watch it. Nancy asked me, so it's only three minutes. This is the woman. If you're watching, she is dancing slowly, wearing white gloves to Pink Floyd, which when you click on her link on YouTube to find, <laughs> I'm sorry, to, to, to find out who she is, this is the lead video that comes up, dancing to Pink Floyd, wearing white gloves. When I came in today, my team said, hey, Dr. Brown, did you see the one where she's going to interpret the Illuminati? <laughs> if you're watching... If you're one, may the Lord help this woman. If you're watching, you are, she's giving hand signs and she is interpreting the Illuminati uh, by dancing. Okay. This is the link that a Christian woman, apparently a Christian woman, puts on my personal Facebook page telling me Trump's going to change everything. Okay, let's listen. You want to hear nonsense? This video has been viewed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times with overwhelming thumbs up compared to thumbs down for the most ridiculous gibberish you've ever heard. Uh, let's play the first clip. A peaceful transition is coming. Trump will not be sworn in as the 45th president of the United States on January 20th. Trump will take office as the 19th president of the United States on March 4th under the Restored Republic. Let me explain. You believe you live in a nation called United States of America. This nation hasn't existed since 1871, when this country ceased to be a nation and became a corporation belonging to the city of London. Every time you see an American flag with a gold fringe and gold tilt attached to it, it represents the corporation, not the, com not the country. This is the reason you can never make progress financially. This is why the law always seems to be against the average citizen, while the rich and the elite literally get away with murder and worse things. If Biden, Harris, Pence, Pelosi, etc. are arrested for their crimes before January 20th, there will be no one to assume the presidency. Since Trump has not been certified as the presidential winner by Congress, he cannot remain president. If there is no president on January 20th, the corporation known as the United States of America will be dissolved. Ah, oh, okay. You got friends talking about absolute gibberish nonsense. 
hundreds of thousands of people watching this, Christians believing it. Okay, one, one more, one more clip. The military will then become the guardians of the nation during the transition. People will then have irrefutable proof that the election was stolen by foreign entities and that Trump was chosen by a landslide. Trump then assumes the presidency as the 19th president of the United States. The last president elected before America became a corporation was Ulysses S. Grant, Republic Restored. Now, I really don't know all the details involved in this. Just know the end goal has always been the destruction of the 1871 corporation and the return of America to the people of the Constitutional Republic. It, has always it was always intended to be. The next month and a half will be chaotic. Make sure you have plenty of water, food, your meds, anything else you need. Comply with the National Guard and United States Marine Corps. They took oath to the nation, not the corporation. The Act of 1871. Be vigilant. Pray. Your nation has returned to you. All right. May the Lord help this deluded woman. Listen, friends, there is more truth to learn on the dancing Illuminati video than this one. Friends, this is sick. This is craziness. There is a, a disease of deception spreading among millions and millions of people, including in the church. This, this is delusional, friends, delusional. And, and it, is, it is heartbreaking to see God's people believing utter nonsense like this. Pray for President Trump as he is leaving office that God would work in his life and truly bring him to himself and use him effectively in the days ahead. And pray for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as they come in. Hey, who knows what God could do in answer to our prayers? Your calls when we come back. It's the line of fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the line of fire. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. Look, friends, I'm, I'm not here to mock. Uh, how would you feel if someone you loved became delusional? As someone close to you, a friend, a colleague, and they, they literally could not separate fantasy from reality. It would break your heart, wouldn't it? So th things that are being said should be rejected, and some of them utterly ridiculed. Let's not ridicule friends of ours who have fallen into deception. Let's, let's figure out how to get them out of deception. It's not deception if you were saying, Lord, I believe the election was stolen. I'm praying for righteousness. That's not deception. It's not deception if for a time you really felt that, that Donald Trump would be reelected and you come to realize he's, he's not. But it's deception when you fall into delusion, when you believe craziness, when, when you're consumed with all these other things and, and now almost the Bible becomes secondary to that or becomes part of a bigger conspiratorial plot. Or you, you're going to go on past the 20th. Well, well, Trump will still be in almost something's still going to happen. Or So 
uh, again, I want to say I'm not here to say I told you so. I'm not here to ridicule. We, we will be here, God willing, on Inauguration Day talking to you, and then I'll be doing a live stream, 9 o'clock Inauguration Evening, on Facebook, on the Ask Director on Facebook channel. We'll, we'll announce that again. Okay, let us go to the phones, and we'll start in Fairbanks, Alaska. Dan, thanks so much for holding. Welcome to the line of fire. Thank you, Dr. Brown. First of all, I want to specifically thank you for the voice you've been over the last month and a half. Um, I felt the same way as much of what you're saying, and you really are speaking prophetically to a part of the church that really needs to hear it, and I appreciate that. I haven't heard many others. I know uh, you might be familiar with Lauren Sanford. He, he's also been speaking similar truth, and I appreciate it. But uh, what you're saying today about the... I've been saying for a month and a half, too, that is this actually a mercy to the church not to have Trump as president? And I read First Samuel 12 many times over the last month and a half, and mm-hmm. there's some pretty remarkable parallels to what we're going through. Um, yeah, the, the, wanting, the wanting a king, you know, it, Dan, it's, it's something I've wrestled with a lot and I'll continue to wrestle with, and, and I hope to, to write more about it and, and, and teach more about it. But we all agree that it's good to have freedom, right? We, we all agree that it's good that we can, you know, read our Bibles in our homes without being arrested, that, you know, our kids become believers and they can be baptized w- without us having the kids taken from us. It, it's good that there aren't widows all over Canada or America weeping right now because their husbands were, were taken from them and killed for the gospel. We all agree that, that liberty and freedoms are good things and, and that in in First Timothy 2, we're told to pray for those in authority, kings, rulers, that they would be saved and that we could live peaceful, quiet lives in all godliness and honesty. So we know it's a good thing. But then on the flip side, we become complacent. And then when we get more political okay. power, we tend to put our trust in, in the party, the person, or our place. And it's almost as if we're not going to take over. And, and the church is not going to grow through that. All you're going to do is get people more rebellious, more, more angry, making Jesus look, look worse in their, in their eyes. And the short-term gains will be outdone by the long-term losses. But on the other hand, you want to elect a godly person you, you, or a righteous person or someone who stands for your values. You know, you see what, what Prime Minister Trudeau is doing in many ways that, that are hurting Christian liberties and p- potentially hurting the, the nation in, in, in other ways, in larger ways. So you'd like to replace him with someone with more conservative values or someone you know, more like, like your previous Prime Minister Harper. Uh, and, and yet it's, it's that challenge. You know, we, we look to the king here. In, in Numbers 21, the children of Israel sin. They're getting bitten by snakes. They're dying. So God tells Moses, take a bronze snake, stick it on a pole. And when they look to it, they'll be healed, right? So you read that account. Yep. Well, then when you get to 2 Kings 18, you read that they had kept the bronze snake and they called it Nehushtan and they were worshiping it as a god. So right. the, the very object of deliverance that God sends ends up being the thing that we worship as a god. And the more I reflect on it, obviously we want people that represent our values in office from, from the local school board right up to president. But as I reflect on it more, what if Trump had been more of a Reagan-type personality, right, and more of one that could right, right, more of one that could be just 
more gentle in tone. I mean, Reagan was strong. You know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Unforgettable courage, right? Uh, the evil axis. I mean, he, he, he attacked these things. But what if the demeanor could be different? There could be a reaching out to say, hey, I'm the president of, of every American, and these are the values I was voted in for. These are the values I hold to, but in a way that's not savaging others, trashing others, attacking others, demeaning others, so that Christianity doesn't get a bad name in the process. Uh, but it's, you know, it's challenging. And, and I do really hope that instead of us just putting all of our energy on uh, elections in 2022 and 2024, that we'll put our energy on, on being the church God's called us to be. Right. Will, will, will the church pray for uh, against fraud in the church as much as we've prayed against fraud in the government? You know, and mm. that's a that's where my heart. I think that's God's concern. Christ's concern is the church. You know, yeah. first. Yeah. But and, I do. I do have a question. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, and I didn't get to hear all of what you said last week, but do you think there will be accountability within the? prophetic, charismatic wing of the church, and how, and second, do you think that, at least in some cases, there could be a lying spirit that is setting up parts of the church for deception and danger? All right, so uh, question number one, yes, I I do believe there will be much accountability because many people do have good hearts and love the Lord, and that's who will see who's who. In other areas, it's going to be chaos, confusion, uh, prophets were right. It's everybody else's fault. You know, delusional stuff. Trump is the president functioning right now. Uh, so there's going to be a real sifting. I, I believe that, that God's going to purge very deeply the whole p- prophetic movement. Interesting, I was talking to a prophetic leader last night, texting, and this leader said that they led a network of about 50 well-known prophetic leaders, and hardly any of them had uh, a word that Trump would be reelected. So they, they never published huh. that word because it was not representative of, of the whole. So that's interesting. You know, it's not like they all said it in, in that camp. Hardly any felt that way. Um, the other thing, a, a lying spirit, yeah, it, it, God will give us over to our delusions. If we reject truth presented to us long enough, we could be subject to a lying spirit. It, it could happen. It's, it's a pattern in Scripture. If we reject truth long enough, then we cross into a danger zone of deeper deception. Just like anything else, you know, sin, when you keep giving yourself to it, you become a slave to it. May God help us. May God bring awakening. And and thank you for the gracious words. Uh, All right, let's go to uh, Deborah in West Bloomfield, Michigan. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. All right, so I would like to ask a question about the freedom of religion, because I know... Um, with the new administration going on, or the the new administration coming in, um, I know that there's a lot of us in the body of Christ who are very concerned about the new, new administration, mainly because of the freedom of religion that, it, you know, unfortunately, very, very few people kind of understand uh, or value the freedom of religion. Um and I would like to know, I have, uh, I have two questions. Number one, um, how the church, how we as a church can can survive or how, how we can be able to thrive in a world where freedom of religion is undervalued. 
Mm-hmm. And, num- and number two, um, how we can have a healthy response so that, you know, as, as we, you know, as, as we kind of promote the freedom to preach the gospel, because I know, um, we, uh, we, uh, as we, you know, well, tell, tell, tell you what, tell, tell you what, Deborah. I'm just jumping in. I hate to cut you off, but because I've got maybe a minute and a half before the show's out, uh, let me try to answer. I, I do believe that that freedom in general is a great theme in America. Most Americans do affirm freedom of religion, but uh, sometimes the right is perceived as wanting to take over and take away other freedoms, and then the left reacts. Uh, violently, uh, verbally against the the right, and and well, you shouldn't have the right to believe this or that. So what what we what we have to do number one is recognize that the word of God cannot be bound, and that whatever happens, however people try to silence us, stop us, we're going to find a way to preach the gospel and get the message out. I do not believe there's any immediate possibility of a situation happening here as happened, say into the so-called golden age of Islam, where whole segments of Christianity were just wiped out. The people just killed or forcefully converted to Islam or, or exiled. Uh, I don't see that happening here in America for many reasons, but I do see a real attack and pushback. I believe that that is only going to strengthen us and strengthen our resolve to give ourselves to preaching the gospel day and night and finding more outlets. And what Satan meant for evil, working through human beings, God will turn for good. The healthy response is to to let America know you try to take away our liberties. Soon enough, it's going to turn around. Your liberties are going to be gone. Freedom of religion is good for everybody. And then again, point one, the word of God cannot be bound. Friend, we can be deplatformed, but the word of God cannot be bound. Back with you tomorrow.